Welcome to Supercharge My Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping you build a thriving and fulfilling natural therapies business. Each week, your host, Anil Mustafa, interviews leading practitioners and field experts, sharing proven tactics, inspiring stories, and actionable steps that will help you unlock your potential. Supercharge My Practice is proudly brought to you by My Appointments Practice Management System. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Supercharge My Practice podcast. Today's guest is Harmony Jade, who is a dedicated work-life balance mentor and dream life cheerleader, aiming to help individuals create a stress-free life with more time for fun and adventure. She also has a podcast called The High Performance Hive. She's a yoga teacher and retreat facilitator. Harmony, welcome. So wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Now, today we're going to be talking about building stress resilient systems to thrive in practice. But before we do, I'd like to take a little bit of a step backwards and let our listeners get to learn more a little bit about you. Now, I do know that in your previous career, you majorly burnt out, which is huge for natural healthcare practitioners in in this space. So I'd like to start by delving into this and then to understand what life looked like for you back then as a burnt out worker to where you are now in in your space as a coach. Yeah, sure. Uh, So my background is actually 20 years experience in retail operations. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne. Um, So my understanding is there's some listeners here from Melbourne. So it's nice to be here. Um, And in that career, I kind of worked my way up from when I was super young, 14, into the workforce and just followed that career path, climbed the climbed the ladder all the way until my last role, which was actually a national manager for a South African retailer. And for a long time, I loved it. I loved the customer interaction. I loved the product. I loved the fashion, the homewares, all of the different things that I was doing. And most importantly, I really actually enjoyed working with the teams and, you know, seeing them grow and develop throughout their career as well. It was a very demanding career, um, you know, especially when you're working for an international retailer we kind of had, you know, two phones all the all the time. So when I clocked off in Melbourne, I was still getting, you know, WhatsApps and calls and things like that at um, ungodly hours, which, you know, South Africa was starting their retail trade or their office hours uh, when we were clocking off. So it was a very, very demanding career. And I think that for a long time, I moved a little bit around um, different retailers and just to see what different cultures were going to be like, what opportunities there were for me to develop. Um, But eventually I just realised that the culture was the same. (laughs) So you could get a different business and, yeah, they might have different CEOs or different um, visions, missions, all the key words, but the structure of the way the retail industry was and particularly with online shopping coming in at the back end of my career, the pressure to perform in sales was just astronomical. And it was just one of those things where it it did get too much. I loved it. And I just dived so much into my career for such a long time. I just lost myself. Like I just completely lost myself. And if I'm being perfectly honest, there were things that I would go and do on the weekend, like catch up with friends or, you know, go for walks or brunch or whatever. But my schedule was jam packed, like absolutely jam packed. And it wasn't even like any of it was a conscious choice. I was just 
going along with things. <laughs> Someone said, come here, I would go there. Someone said, do you want to do dinner here? I would go there. And the whole time I still had my work phone on me because stores were still trading. I was responsible for the Australian stores. And it just was, yeah, n- not spacious. Like there was just no space for anything, no space for me. I had no hobbies. I was going to gym, but I wasn't going to gym for the right reasons. I was going to the gym because I thought I should um, in inverted commas. And there was a lot, lot of should thing, but it just got so much, um, yeah, overwhelming, I guess, that I just completely lost myself. There was no space for me at all. And so I hit this point where one day I was driving to work, actually got to work, and the noise of me pulling the handbrake up actually clicked me back into a reality And I was like, oh, that noise of pulling the handbrake up. And I realized I was at work and I had no recollection of how I got there. And that was an indicator for me that something needed to change and that something wasn't right, that I was just not okay. Like I just, I had started kind of pulling back from going to social events and things like that. But this one day where I arrived at work, and I talk about it on my podcast too, is just that reality check of, holy shit, I could have (laughs) just had an accident or run a red light or anything could have happened to me or I could have been responsible for someone else's injury or worse and something needed to change. Um, I was depressed. I was anxious and stressed all the time. I was going to the GP and he was just telling me to go for a walk around the block at night. Uh Um, He wasn't really giving me any kind of you know, other tangible things that I could do or change or or advice. There was no referrals to, you know, mental health support. There was no mental health plan, nothing. Um, and this wasn't that long ago. Like we're talking 2018. Um, this is the back end of 2018. And, yeah, I just decided I couldn't do it anymore. So, yeah, something had to change. <laughs> well, it's interesting that your experiences have led you exactly to where you are today, which is to help yeah. people going through the same thing that you went through as well. Now, you describe yourself as a high-spirited stress management expert dedicated to helping entrepreneurial women live a more balanced life. So I'd really love to know how it is that you do this and what advice you would have for practitioners who find themselves in that constant state of stress and anxiety. Yeah, so what I did when I realised this change needed to happen is I just started to strip back all of the things that I knew weren't weren't for me, that weren't aligned with me, that weren't, uh, for a bit of a woo term, I guess, um, weren't serving me, that were draining my energy. I started saying no to going to places. I started saying no to people, even in business. I was like, no, like I've got enough on my plate. Like you guys are asking too much of one person. And so I started stripping away kind of all of those things just to get more space for myself and really gave myself more time to think about what I actually wanted. And when it really came down to it, I was an adventurous person stuck in this, you know, mouse wheel of a life that just kept going and going and going. And I could never get off the mouse wheel and actually go and do those adventurous things. I asked family and friends when was the last time they saw me really happy and what did you know, what was I doing? Um, and they were like, oh, you were helping so-and-so with this hens party or baby shower or you were traveling or, you know. And so I just really thought about all of the things that really made me happy and it wasn't been at work. 
Um, so I, that's when I kind of decided that I was going to quit my career and travel Australia um, in a caravan. And so that's what I did in 2018. Um, sorry, I left in, yeah, 2018. I left in 2019, I think, um, and for the whole of 2019, I travelled Australia and landed in Perth and I just haven't left. <laughs> I'm still in Perth enjoying the sunshine. Um, so, yeah, that kind of, I guess, led me to thinking how, how can I get out of this anxiety, you know, spiral as well because I was still, I thought that all of my problems were going to be solved when I just quit my job and, you know, travelled, but I was still experiencing kind of like little panic attacks and stress moments and things as well. So I started doing yoga online using an app, um, big fan of apps. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I started doing yoga online and then I realised that that was calming me like immediately and it became a daily practice for me. When I got to Perth and thought, what am I going to do? with you know work if I'm going to stay here what am I going to do for work I thought I'm going to go and explore this yoga thing a little bit more so I went and did my yoga teacher training and to be honest it it changed my life there's not really any other way to describe it and what it taught me was how to come back home to myself how to really tune into myself calm my nervous system and self-regulate that as well and also lead myself and not have other people tell me what I should be doing and could be doing and really just understand how to make those decisions and lead my life from the heart. Um, and now that's what I teach other businesswomen to do because I thought when I did my yoga teacher training, I kind of had no intention of ever being a yoga teacher. I just wanted to learn more about it. But then when I came away from it, I was like, more people need to learn about this because if I had yoga in my life while I was in my last career, I probably wouldn't have ended up in that state. I probably wouldn't have ended up with severe anxiety and depression and, you know, just couldn't get out of bed, couldn't see people in the end because I was so stressed. I would have actually had a tool that helped me every single day to get up and live my truth and know that I didn't have to try and prove my worth <laughs> the whole time, which is not something we consciously think we're doing but subconsciously that's what we're actually doing you know women are always fighting for their place in society their place in business and on a unconscious or subconscious level where that's what we're doing that's where the hustle comes from is because we're trying to prove ourselves in some way and it doesn't matter if it's a physical thing if it's a numbers thing or what industry you're in we really need to start being more aware of how that's actually impacting what we do because it's causing an epidemic of mental health um, and particularly in women. Um, you know, their stress and anxiety is just getting worse and worse in women in business and they're just burning out and throwing their businesses out the window. And it's a really, really sad way to see women do business because it doesn't actually have to be like that. Um, and so I take women through this process of understanding these pillars that actually not make you just learn about yoga, but learn about yourself, because there's a lot of things out there that will teach you how to do business, how to, you know, um, help your clients, how to be qualified in the actual thing that you do. <laughs> but there's not a lot of things that actually teach you about yourself. <laughs> um, and so that's what I want to bring to women so that they don't have to go through what I went through. Um, I think I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. Hello, um, so let's talk about entrepreneurship because it obviously comes with significant challenges. One day you feel like you're flying and the next you're overwhelmed and stressed no matter how organised or prepared you are. 
So do you have any advice on what practitioners can do to manage this emotional roller coaster? Because you teach the strategies on how to manage them, but then shit happens, you know, and you just fall off the wagon or you just get into a bad headspace. So what's your advice on how to manage those ups and downs in business? Good question. And I think just being curious is one of the, I I think being curious is underestimated. (laughs) And it probably sounds really vague, but I think when a stressful time comes up, I think it's really important to ask yourself, what are you actually stressed about? Are you stressed about not getting the thing done? In which case it's like a box tick. Do I just want to be that person that ticks all the boxes and, you know, has got this long list and can get you know, excuse the language, but get shit done? (laughs) Um, Or do I actually have a bigger picture goal? And did that thing not work out? And how has that impacted the bigger goal? So I think being curious about whatever situation comes up, even if it's in life, you've got something going on with your family or friends, and it's impacting your business, get curious about it. Okay, is that actually a problem? Is it really affecting my business? And on what level? what really matters to me. Because again, when you come back to yourself and what matters to you, actually, sometimes that's where, you know, we focus so much on the goals and on the hustle and on the striving and it's all coming from the head. None of that's coming from the heart. That's the head talking, right? So if we drop back into the heart space and go, well, why am I even in business? Oh, I'm in business because I want a life of freedom and happiness and joy and to support my family. Well, actually, if being stressed over ticking the boxes isn't making you happy. What makes you happy? And so I think just there has to be that curiosity of, okay, I'm in this situation. How did I get here? How's it impacting my life? How's it impacting my business? And what do I need to do to get back to that happy place? Like what actually makes you happy? So just an example, because it probably sounds very vague, but for me, it's a morning routine. You don't have to have 20 rituals. (laughs) to um, have a good morning routine. It just has to be something for you in the morning that sets you up, that makes you feel excited to get on with your day with a clear mind, that you're not waking up and you're already in that busy, hectic mind space, um, that you've actually done something for yourself and reminded yourself of your purpose every day. And again, it might be not even almost on a conscious level, but you're going and doing something that feels really, really good for you that gets you in that headspace to be like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Because when those challenges come up throughout the day, you're much better equipped to handle them if you've got a clear mind in the morning rather than you've woken up, you you know, you've maybe pressed snooze three times and then you're just, you know, surviving one coffee to the next throughout your day. Um, If you've got a clear mind and you've done something for yourself, you're not going to get to the end of the day and be, you know, a grumpy mess that you didn't get to do anything for yourself or that your day wasn't rewarding. Um, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I actually really like that because it's 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 so simple. It's just why am I so stressed? What is it that set me off? And often you're going to find that it's actually not that one incident that's actually set you off. It's probably other things that have combined. Yeah. And so it's this coming back to this place of being able to give from abundance. If you are in that constant state of stress, you can easily identify that it's because your cup is not full, and and that's probably why a lot of practitioners aren't handling the stress so well because they are at burnout point or they're at that point where they're stressed because they're not generating enough of an income and that then catapults into another cycle of not being able to earn more money because they're not present and they're not, you know, working in their best interests as well. So I think that's really interesting. And I think I love what you said about starting your morning off 
uh, doing something for yourself. It's the, the old adage that if you start on the front foot instead of the back foot, it's amazing how much of a difference it makes to your to your day. And that's what I've been personally doing myself, going for runs in the morning, doing my sauna. And while I'm in the sauna, I'll do a 10-minute meditation. And the difference between having had something for yourself and the way in which you handle your workload for that day. I mean, it's it's really phenomenal when you've when you've started on that front foot. So I really like how simple that is, but how profound it is at the same time as well. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I think it's one of those things. It's easier said than done and it takes practice. You're not going to get it absolutely nailed in a week. Like you, you need to, you know, give yourself some graces as well. Like we live hectic lives these days. People have got families and partners and dogs to walk and all the things like just don't put so much pressure on yourself. Like if you can start off with three times a week doing a self-practice in the morning and it can be anything like I like yoga, meditation and beach walks and dips. That's my thing, but it might not be for you. So it's about working out what works for you. And I think that's also how women or women particularly, but even men as well, end up in those burnout stages because they put everything into their business and they actually don't have a life outside of work. Mm. They have a family outside of work or a partner outside of work, but it's not really a life, if that makes any sense. They're just surviving. That's just their you know what, I'm just going to recover for, you know, six hours sleep or whatever it's going to be, eat some food, and then I'm going to wake up and do it all again. They put so much energy into their business, then they end up with no life. And it has to, it has to be the other way around. It has to be self first, creates a better business. And it doesn't even have to be the immediate self-care. I mean, obviously I'm a huge advocate for that as well, but if you're not somebody who likes to get out and walk or jog or, you know, meditate or say your affirmations or your gratitude or any of that sort of stuff, there's still things that you can start the day off on the front foot. You could get up that 15, 20 minutes earlier and meal prep, for example, so that when you've finished your day at work, you've got your meal already ready to go. You've just got to cook it. And so something that could have taken you 30 minutes to an hour, stressful with all the kids running around, if you're just prepared on the front foot, even with that smaller stuff, it makes an absolute huge difference. For me, I started off waking up about 6 in the morning Mm-hmm. And then as I was getting all this stuff done, that feeling of getting things done was so addictive that now I wake up at 5 a.m. and now I get my meals ready and I get the kids' lunches ready and I make them something nutritious for breakfast. And, again, it's it's finding something that makes you feel like you're starting the the day ahead of where you would normally be. And it could just be waking up 15 minutes earlier to read a book so that you're calm or to meditate if that's the thing, whatever it is. But I think we overcomplicate stuff. Yeah. And so you think you've got to do all of those things, you know, and I'm, look, I'm probably very guilty of that. Like I get in my sauna and I do meditation and I do journaling and I do, you know, I read, you know, my affirmations and things like that. I'm terrible at meditation. Like I'm, I've been doing it for a month and I struggle. My mind is constantly going, but it's the fact that I'm still doing it and I'm still trying. And I think that's, one of those things is that you don't have to try to do everything. You've just got to try to do something, even if it's something small. And the minute you do that one small thing, then it's that building that habit on top of that habit and, and moving so forth. So, yeah, I, I, this is great advice, but practitioners shouldn't feel overwhelmed by thinking I have to do all of this stuff. Just start yeah. with a single thing. Yeah, be, be your own guru. It can just be a cup of tea on, you know, outside or in the lounge room, like quiet, just yeah. being on your own in silence, like how good is quiet? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the other reasons why a lot of practitioners fail in business is because they really struggle with setting up the foundations. And I know this is something you help business owners with. So I'd really love to explore what 
foundations are, are important in your view to set up when you're starting your business? And how do you kind of stay accountable to those things that you're setting up from the get-go? Yeah, look, it's probably similar to the last question in a sense that I think that you need to set your business up around the life you want. And we can't always be at the Maldives on a yacht, you know, all of the time. As much uh, as we even if that's be. what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not saying like, you know, work three hours a week or anything like that. And you definitely, when you're starting a business, it's it's almost impossible to do that unless you've got, you know, a big backload of capital to support you and you can outsource everything. Um, but I know it's not like that for entrepreneurs most of the time. But I still think starting with the foundation of putting yourself first and remembering why you're why you're going into business. Um, and if you're not sure why you're going into business, you need to get really damn clear on why you're going into business. Because trust me, if you're going into business just to make money, it's not going to make you happy. It's not going to make you happy. If you're going into business because, and you know, there's a lot of practitioners obviously listening to this. You're going into business because you have got something to offer to the general public and you want to help them change lives because no matter what you're doing as a practitioner, you're actually changing people's lives. You're helping people. Keep that in the back of your mind. And the that coupled with what you want your life to look like and how you're going to help people, that's your motivation. Because a lot of the time, like people say, I lost my motivation. I need someone to help motivate me. If you can't motivate yourself, your motivation should be the life you're trying to create yourself. Like if you can't get clear on the life that you want, then that's why you're not motivated. Money's not going to motivate you because, yeah, you can have a million dollars and go to the Maldives. You can have, you know, minimal money and go to the Maldives or any other beach (laughs) and you'll probably be equally as happy. Do you know what I mean? Like money's just going to escalate whatever is currently present in your life. So if your life is a bit of a shit show at the moment, it's just going to make it a really kind of filthy rich one. And it's just going to elevate those (laughs) problems even more. And if you, you know, switch that kind of mindset over into, I'm going to focus on why I'm in business for my own purpose, for myself and for my customer, because there's two, there's two purposes there, right? We always talk about, oh, what's what's my purpose? And we everyone will always say one thing, but there's your purpose and then there's how you're going to help people. And they're, they're two different things. But remember those when you're going into business as the, as the startup because how you set up everything around that is what matters. If you set up everything around making money, for example, I'm going to go and create this huge online course or this mastermind or this program or whatever, because it's going to make me money. It'll be so much harder to sell. It'll be so much harder to get people in because there's not purpose behind it. The purpose behind it is to make money and it's not heart driven. It's driven by the head. And we need to start dropping out of the headspace, which is all this self-talk that, you know, and all these beliefs and all these fears and I've got to prove myself and I've got to hustle. That's all coming from the head. It's all the yang energy. We've got to drop into our heart and go, okay, what actually matters to me? Because for me, I would rather take longer to reach my goals, but it'd be a hundred percent in line with my my self mission and my purpose for my customers than go like a bull out of a gate and go and do something that essentially, if it's not aligned for you and it's just about the money, you'll burn out. 
So, I've been meeting so many people lately that are very, very, very wealthy, like talking, you know, millions. One guy was probably even close to the billion-dollar mark. Yeah. And they were in and originally they, they, they were very unhappy people and they got into business thinking that that was their ticket to happiness and it was all about the money and then they got the money and then they got more money and then they got more money and nothing changed for them. You know, that one of them particularly, the one who I'd say he's probably even a billionaire, you see him and he's... He's, there's nothing genuine about what he says in, in his, uh, he does coaching. Uh, he does a bit more than coaching, but it's the fact that he worked so hard to make this money because he thought that would make him happy and then he achieved that and he's still not happy. And I just think it's incredible to see people working towards that space because it doesn't feel good. You know, you get what you think you want and then you get there and you've lost your why, you've lost your reasons for doing this. It doesn't mean as much. So I really, really love that advice. The next thing I want to touch on is failures. We are so good as human beings in having 100 people compliment us and tell us how incredible we are and then one thing goes wrong or one person says something that makes you feel bad and you immediately retreat to this space feeling like you're a massive failure and suddenly none of your wins matter. I'd really love to touch on this with you and ask what your advice is for entrepreneurs to use that failure as a stepping stone to contribute to their growth and kind of find a way to, to to look past some of those smaller things that don't really mean much on the grand scheme of business ownership. Yeah. Um, it's it's a good it's a good topic because it's one of my favorites actually. Uh, one of the things that I teach in um, my yogic philosophy teachings to business owners is the practice of what we call it's in Sanskrit is called aparigraha and it translates into the practice of non-attachment. And my own personal experience with that is again, around those things like attaching your worth and your happiness to, um, you know, I want a bigger car. I want to, I want the house. I want the, this, the, that, you know, I've also been there and got all of those things in my last career while I was earning six figures and it didn't make me happy. In fact, I hardly got to use any of it because I was never home, right? So you you go through these things and these life experiences and now I have been through the, you know, all of this training, you sometimes think, oh, yeah, you know, like I'm cured. <laughs> I've got it. I've sorted it, right? But recently this year I went back through this process myself and I love this is what I love about these teachings is because no matter where you are in life, you can always kind of relearn um, and you keep relearning until you really learn the lesson. Earlier on in the year, I was like, I want to, this, this is my plan for the year. These are all the retreats I'm going to run. This is the clients that I want to work with. And I really, really wanted to run a retreat in Bali. It was like a you know, big goal of mine. I was like, I really want to run a retreat in Bali. So I put my tickets up and I promoted them for like nine months. And I think I got uh, one or two clients sign up and I was stoked when they signed up and then I didn't get any more. And I like hustled, like hustled, posted everywhere, did all the things. And I just, I changed my sales page like a million times, just could not get more people signed up. And I got really like disheartened and upset about it. I didn't even want to ring my clients and say that it was cancelled because I felt so embarrassed at the time. And I really was just like, not even embarrassed for me, but I felt sad for them because I knew how much they needed to go. But I obviously would have, you know, put my business out backwards to have a retreat run ahead that was such an expensive retreat with only a couple of people. So I really got myself in this headspace around 
I'm I'm not good enough. I didn't do a good enough job. No one wants to go on a retreat with me. And it kind of spiraled for a little bit, not long, but like enough that I was in a funk. I was in like this little bit of a shitty funk and I was mad at myself. I was like, my God, I, I didn't do it. Like, I know I'm good at business. I know I'm good at stuff and it didn't work. And then I realized I was making it about myself. I was making it about myself. And it was the head talking and again, not the heart. <laughs> and I was making about myself and about the fact that I didn't hit my goals. And I had made that whole situation about myself. So moving on a couple of months, put a few more retreats out, sold another couple of retreats, really good sort of local retreats. And then I put one out for November and I sold one ticket. And three weeks later, I hadn't sold any more tickets. And so I cancelled the event and contacted the customer straight away. I didn't wait on this one, contacted her straight away. And this time, I just didn't make it mean anything about myself. And then I thought, okay, my customer doesn't need what I'm offering right now because it was a very specific themed retreat and it's November. Like November is just as hectic as December for business owners. They're wrapping up the year. So I thought, okay, if she doesn't need this, what does she need? And I thought, okay. She wants to let her hair down. It's the end of the year. Business women in Perth want to let their hair down. They want to have a good time. Let's create a retreat for that. Let's create an event for that. So that's what I did. And I've sold 16 tickets to it. Wow. <laughs> you know, so it's it was a lesson in, again, coming back to my mission for myself and my mission for my customer and not letting myself get attached to goals and outcomes. So you can have goals and outcomes and ambitions and, you know, all those sorts of things, but just don't attach your self-worth to them Mm -hmm. um, because it makes you think I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. It actually got nothing to do with that. There could be something strategic. It could be those people literally are just not available on that date. It could be they don't have the money right now. Interest rates have had eight, you know, eight increases. It could be anything. So I think when you fail, Think about what could you learn from that and, again, how could you review it and look at it from the customer's eyes? Did they need that? Was it, you know, the right language or marketing for them to hit their their pain points or their solutions? Um, And really just, again, have an open mind and be curious about the situation. Oh, look at that. That didn't work. I wonder why. Rather than I'm a failure, it didn't work. I'm going to shut the business down, never going to run that again, you know, because I've done that a few times myself over the last three years that I've been in my own business. And yeah, it's a tough mental game, but you get stronger and the better you are at reflecting on it, the more you'll get out of the process, kind of like a little SWOT analysis on, you know, how that event went, something I used to do in my old career. Every single promotion that we put out in retail, we did a SWOT analysis And it's actually no different in small business. It should be, okay, that didn't work. Or even if it did work, what worked? What were the opportunities? How could we have made it better? Because sometimes we look at all the failures and we don't actually do any assessment on the wins and go, how did I actually make that work? But it's the same process. It's be curious around it. Don't attach your self-worth to it because it's got absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, the way you price yourself is got nothing to do with your self-worth as well. So um, yeah, I hope that helps people. <laughs> yeah, I might just get you explain what a SWOT analysis is because there'll be a lot of people oh, yeah. who probably have never done a SWOT analysis on their own business or their own specific um, actions. So, yeah, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. So a SWOT analysis is 
it's a very direct and simplified kind of analysis of, like I mentioned, you can do it on any positive situation or, you know, something that didn't work. So um, highly recommend doing it on, you know, if you're someone that's launching something or um, got a promotion happening, doing it, do it on everything. In fact, you could do it on every single month. So at the start of your month, you know, um, or the start of your new month, um, you're doing this SWOT analysis. So the SWOT actually stands, it's an S-W-O-T, um, and it stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities and Threats. And I think it's really cool um, for those that may have also worked in someone else's company and now starting their own. If you think about the Strengths, Weaknesses and Opportunities, it's interesting to look at this from um, the comparison from a corporate business into a, into a small business because sometimes we easily in big businesses go, oh, well, a threat is a competitor, right? But in small business, sometimes the threat is you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your 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 mindset is your threat. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a really interesting analysis. So you're going to, um, you know, maybe pull up your stats for the month or any promotions, any marketing, and you're going to look at your business like it's a holistic kind of um view, like a bird's eye view. And you really have to take your rose-coloured glasses off and be like, you know, this is my business and put your CEO hat on and look at it objectively. Because if you're looking at it from um, that point of view of you don't want to see any of the mistakes, then you're not going to learn anything from it. But to do this at the end or at the start of every single month is really rewarding. You're going to look at all of the things you did well. They're your strengths. What are you doing really well? And you're going to continue those or also how could you elevate those even more? So if something's really working, like, I don't know, you may be doing Facebook ads and it's really working, how could you dial that up a notch? And then opportunities. What are my opportunities? Where am I maybe not seeing something or um, could I actually uh, dive into that a little bit deeper or maybe, you know what, I haven't nailed Facebook ads or something like it could be just anything, right? Where in my business do I need to learn more? And that's maybe where, okay, I need a coach in this. Um, I need to get a specific coach just on this one thing because that's my opportunity. And once I've got that nailed, then you can look at other opportunities rather than, you know, going into everything all at once, stay focused on one thing. Um, I missed the W, I just realized. (laughs) So the weaknesses, again, the weaknesses are what didn't work. And it's not necessarily what are your weaknesses. We're talking about the business. Again, don't attach yourself to the business. Yes, you're the business owner and you're running the business and making the decisions. But looking at objectively again, what didn't work doesn't necessarily make it a weakness or um, low worth or low value or anything like that. But looking at what didn't work. And how could we do things differently if we did that again? Exactly the same. Because for a lot of businesses, you know, might be a massage therapy business, the business is probably going to run fairly the same month after month, right, from a customer point of view. But your marketing might be different. Your messaging might be different. You might have a promotion pop up. And then, yeah, lastly is the threat. And again, the threat isn't necessarily just has another massage therapist open down the road or, um, you know, is someone else popping up in that same area as me or in the same uh, online space as me or the same industry as me. But sometimes the threat is yourself. So looking at what are those negative conversations or thoughts that have popped up and how can I move through those? If you can't move through those on your own, 
get someone that can help you move through those. You know, there's lots of coaches and mentors out there like me (laughs) um, that can actually help you move through those things because it's really hard to see it when you're in it. I personally have mentors and coaches for myself because there's things that I just can't push past no matter how hard I try because I'm looking at it too closely. So I hope that helps explain the SWOT. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. I've actually done a SWOT analysis as most people do when they're putting together a business plan, but um, I actually never applied it to an individual situation where something hasn't quite gone right. And I really love the idea of that because it helps actually teach you something from it. You can look at it and go, okay, well, yeah, okay, didn't go right. But as you said, if you're not attaching an outcome to that, you can kind of move past and stop blaming yourself. But it's also using that as an opportunity to go, okay, what could I have done differently? What have I learned from this and how can I improve on that? So that is incredible advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, um, one of the last questions I've got for you is, how entrepreneurs can measure success beyond financial achievements, considering the importance of personal well-being and work-life balance. And the reason why I want to touch on this is because we talked about money not being the ultimate goal, but we need kind of rewards along the way. And I think measuring your success kind of keeps your head in the right space to keep propelling you forward. So I'd love to know if you had any advice to share with us on that topic. Yeah, this is such a good question. I love this question. And there's a couple of different kind of ways that I like to look at it. Again, it comes back to when you're starting your business or, you know, maybe you've been in business for a few years and you actually haven't stopped to reflect on this. So now might be a good time for you. What do I want my life to look like? And how do I want to feel? Like even at the end of every single day, like when you wake up in the morning, maybe you're your self-practice is just setting an intention for a day. Maybe you don't have to do the green juice, go for a run, all the things. Maybe you just set yourself an intention for the day and go, at the end of today, how do I want to feel? Not how much money do I want to make or how many customers do I want to sign, but how do I want to feel at the end of today? Now, signing a new customer might make you feel that, (laughs) might make you feel really good, but you're not going to, again, you're not going to attach yourself to that at the end of the day, you need to be able to put your hand on your heart at the end of the day and say, did I give it my everything today? And if you can say that you honestly gave everything to your customer for that day and you lived your truth, then like in my eyes, it's a win. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because like we mentioned before, constantly working from this space of working in your headspace and not in your body, not feeling into the emotion behind running your own business or how that's showing up in your personal life, that that's when you're going to start to burn out. So for me, a win for me, or how do I know that I'm successful? I'm successful because I get to go, get up in the morning and go to the beach, have my coffee, do my yoga and do my morning routine versus have to drive three hours in Melbourne traffic to my old career and cry all the way home. You know, this that's success for me. Even if I don't make any sales this week, if I still get to go get to get up in the morning and choose how I want to live my life, then to me that's success. So it needs to be defined in your own eyes and in your own, you know, own words. How do you want to feel at the end of the day? What does success look for you if you had no money? Because that's what really matters. And then if you get, like I said before, money is just going to escalate what's going on in your life. So if you're miserable and then you win a million dollars, you're probably still going to be, you know, miserable just with a million dollars. <laughs> you just got to work out what actually matters to you and, and put that first. So, um, yeah, I think 
thinking about what actually makes you happy and how do you want to feel at the end of every day and yeah, defining that for yourself. But for me, that's what success is. Success is choice. It's having, it's having options. It's being able to make my own decisions and not let someone else rule my life or live in the should mentality of society. So, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's exactly how I feel about success as well. And I remember when someone had asked me once, what's success to you? And it was so confronting because it was, you know, most of the time you would think I want to have my loan paid off or I want to be able to travel. But what does that actually mean? What do you want out of that outcome? What does it mean if you have your loan paid off? What's the next step? What do you do from there? Uh, and I think it's it's a really wonderful exercise just to sit down and map out what success is for you because you can reach those milestones a lot quicker than, say, paying off your home loan or, you know, anything along those lines as well. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. Now, um, I also wanted to quickly touch on you about fun and adventure, something that you talk a lot about on your website. But in the practical sense, especially for us mothers, you know, I get up early and do all the things that I need to do in order to get start my stay off on the front foot. But no matter how good your intentions are, sometimes you've got children, you've got school activities, you've got, you know, your business, your clients calling you, there's so much going on. So how do you kind of get yourself into a place of having more fun and adventure without letting your clients down? but then not letting your family down or your personal time down if you don't have uh, children. So what's kind of your advice on having that better work-life balance? I think starting with, again, knowing what you get joy out of um, is like it just sounds so simple and because it is like we really overthink stuff. We think, oh, I've got to pay money to go and do a thing that's going to make me happy or go on a trip or, or whatever. But one of the things I actually get my mentoring clients to do is they write down lists of things that they enjoy doing. And some of them, if they've got absolutely no kind of work-life balance or zero hobbies or zero self-time when they come to me, is we actually write a morning, noon and evening list. And again, it's like this person might list like 20 things they like to do in the morning or things that they could do in the morning that they like doing, 20 things they like doing, you know, that that fit into the middle of the day that is possible to do in the middle of the day and you know 20 things that are possible to do at night or on the weekend right now this is not to do 20 things in the morning or 20 things at lunchtime 20 things at night this is a list so that when you are through your day say it gets to 12 o'clock because I've got a lot of uh, clients at the moment not even taking lunch breaks like nothing like and I'm not just talking eating at their desk like not eating like they take their kids to creche in the morning and then they go home back on their laptop and then they smash out seven hours on their laptop. They get up, go and pick the kids up and then come home, have dinner. And then they go back to their laptop and they've not eaten all day as a mum. Wow. And which, you know, is like, how, how are you, how is your brain even functioning? Right. For a start. But we write these lists of things that I like doing because when you get five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes it doesn't have to be an hour. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a ritual that takes three hours of your day <laughs> because most people don't have that, right? It just is a reference point to go, you know what, these are all things that make me feel good. So when I forget, you know, or I'm not feeling good, I can go to that list that's behind my laptop screen or something and go, oh, 
that's what I like doing. I'm going to go and just sit in the sun for 10 minutes and have a cup of tea, or I'm going to go and do a hot lap around the block, or I'm going to walk down to the beach after school with the kids and just enjoy that that time with them. Um, and it's not always going to be on your own, but how can you bring more joy to like the whole family? How can you bring more joy to your whole friendship circle? Like maybe you don't have kids. Maybe it's getting your girlfriends together once a week and going for a morning walk or an evening walk or just if you can't go out for dinner and that's too difficult, like have someone around, play a board game. Like I know for me, we I actually recently started playing this board game, um, this Domino's board game. And because I'm so concentrated on the game, I'm out of my head and I'm just in the moment and it's present and it's and it's fun, <laughs> you know. We forget that we can be childlike even if we're adults. And, again, we just overcomplicate it. We just think, oh, well, I'm going to have a better time if I pay money for an activity and go and spend money on a holiday or go to the movies or whatever. But you can have a family movie night at home or maybe you can't go out with all the kids for dinner and you want some private time with your partner. Have a picnic on the floor in the lounge room. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we just, we overcomplicate things, but writing a list of all the stuff that you like to do and maybe it's different columns. Maybe it's, here's a list of things that I like to do that are free. Here's a things of a list of things that are on my bucket list that I've never done before and I'd like to work towards those. Um, and just having those in mind, uh, it's a little bit like a vision board, you know. It's like, okay, well, these are the things I like doing. I know they make me happy. How can I get more of that in my life? What can I move? What am I doing that is consuming my life that I actually don't like doing? <laughs> um, you know, maybe it's outsourcing stuff. Maybe you need to outsource meals or get someone to pick up your laundry or you know what I mean like there's lots of different things that we've got access to these days we just kind of stay on the same path that we've always stayed on and then that's how we end up miserable but change it up you might go and try something and then hate it and be like oh my god that was that's funny I really don't like that and I expected to like that (laughs) um but just be curious be curious have some fun like when I tell people my age they're often shocked at um, you know, that I'm 10 years older than they thought I was because I I just don't feel like I'm nearly 40. <laughs> I just don't. I just, uh, granted, I don't have kids. <laughs> so full disclosure, I don't have kids. But I have a lot of friends that have kids, but we make it fun. Like we, we do stuff together that's fun. On the weekend, I hung out with my best friend and her four-year-old and eight-year-old and they are hectic, <laughs> but we made it fun. It's like, how can we do something that we enjoy but they'll enjoy too. Cool. We'll go to the beach. We'll go to the beach or we'll go to a park and watch them run around at the park and we still get to have a chat. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. <laughs> I actually really love the simplicity of that. And I'll, I'll yeah. equate it to the example of a meal plan. Often, you know, when you're cooking every day, it's all of a sudden I've been through this period so many times in my life where you go, I just, I don't know what to cook. I don't, I don't know how to cook anymore. It's like, I don't no idea what I should, what I should be making. And so what I did was created a list of all of the things that I can make quickly and easily. And therefore, when I get really stuck, it's just referring back to that list because all the information is there. Like you said, it's the really simple stuff and all the information is there. But tapping into that information when you're in that slightly stressed, heightened stage uh, where you're freaking out, what am I going to feed the family today or something's happened at work and you're trying to manage that, just having that list there of the things that you can refer back to in your example and going, okay, 
I can go for a walk on the beach with the kids or I can just take them to the park and that fills your cup and it fills their cup as well. So sometimes just that simple act of writing down the things that you know you can do, that you enjoy doing, that are going to benefit you, the family, whoever it might be, I think that's just, it's so simple, but yet it's so profound at the same token as well. So it's a really, really great advice. So even though you've given us so many golden nuggets in this podcast, I always finish my podcast with asking one more question, which is if you were to give just one piece of advice to a natural health practitioner aiming to build a successful business that they love, what would it be? I think get really clear on what you want your life to look like. Not what you want the business to look like, but what do you want your life to look like? And go from there. Like it has to be this it has to be the starting point. You have to be your priority. Um, and again, like I, you know, do these exercises with with clients. And even yesterday, a client that's been with me for seven, seven sessions got her to do an exercise. And at the bottom of the things that she's gonna get to, she put me. And I said, you know, if we look at all the things that we've done together and you look at the paper, what's the same? And she was like, oh, it's the same themes. I was like, yeah, but where are you on any of these? And it's always at the bottom and it has to be at the top. And I know that it's that cliche saying if your cup isn't full, but it's not even about being full. But if you're not doing stuff that brings you joy and you're not enjoying your life and you don't enjoy being with yourself, how can you go and serve others and and help them and help them enjoy their life? Like, do you know what I mean? You, it's Absolutely. it's not practicing that kind of, you're not living in congruence with what you believe in. You can't go and be a health practitioner and go and tell all your clients, you know, to live life like this if you're not doing it. Um, and, you know, I am I only ever speak on things that I'm doing for my own lived experience. Um, I, you know, there's lots of stuff that I do and that I coach on that I didn't learn in a book because I do it. <laughs> I embody it and I don't get it right all of the time. And I still have weeks where I stuff up and I still have weeks where, you know, I'm sad about something or whatever because I'm human. <laughs> um, but I always think, how could I, how could I bring that and bring what, you know, what I teach myself and what I work through on myself to others? Um, and yeah, it has it has to start with you. Absolutely, I love that. Now, how can our listeners find out more about you and your coaching programs? Yeah, so I, the main platform that I'm on is Instagram. I hang out there more than I'd like to admit. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at Harmony Double Underscore Jade on Instagram. I'm on most of the other platforms as well, uh, but my website is Harmony Jade com.au so you'll find all my coaching programs um on there um business coaching or business mentoring should i say is it's all pretty much customized because every single business is different and where you're at is different and again we will really work on you first or work with you first um so yeah feel free to just reach out to me in a, in a dm or um, book a call on the website as well and um yeah i'd love to meet some of you and the links will be on the show notes as well. Harmony, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I just wanted to take a moment just to thank you for sharing your failures. And I, I don't like using the word failure in business because to me there's no failures. It's either lessons or wins. Yes. But having admitted the things that have gone wrong in your business, I personally find that is so inspiring for others to actually hear that journey. It's the truth. It's what's really going on out there and I really thank you for sharing that with our listeners thank you for your time thank you for being with me here today you're so welcome thank you 
Thank you for tuning in today and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest releases and for more helpful tips, look for me on Instagram under the handle supercharged my practice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my appointments.